0: Welcome back to the Ghost Gold Podcast World Cup Group by Group Previews. I'm Alex, and here with Javier. Uh, I, I realized last week after listening back to our pods, I, uh, I, I forgot to introduce you. I mean, you're a man that needs no introduction, but I figured for anyone that's just just brand new coming to the pod, it might be good yeah, to introduce you. They don't know who I am. Uh, today. We're going to be previewing Group C of this summer's World Cup in Russia. Group C is made up of Australia, France, Denmark. And a country very close to your heart, Javier. Peru. Peru. Yes. Uh, we're going to get to them closer to the end, Javier. If you haven't been listening to previous pods, is going to be traveling to Russia with uh, with your dad yeah. to follow, uh, follow, follow, Peru. follow this group. Yeah. That, so you better have all the lowdown on this one, Javier. Yeah. I'll be I'll be
1: I'll be bringing some ghost School updates from Russia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll, I'll be sending some in. But we're going to start in alphabetical order. Start off with Australia. They are. They're the underdogs of this group. That's the only way to really put it. It's their fifth World Cup appearance. Uh, Their manager is Bert van Marwijk, the former Dutch head coach who got Holland to the World Cup final in 2010. Uh, He took over from longtime Australian uh, head coach Andrzej Postikoglu. After Australia had initially qualified for the World Cup, he's yet to manage them in a competitive match, which doesn't really bode well. But let's just say Australia took by far the... Much more beaten path to get here to this World Cup. They a few years ago made the very strange decision of switching from the Pacific qualification group uh, that made up that was made up of small nations like Tahiti and probably uh, best of all now New Zealand. Uh, They wanted to actually Australia wanted to actually test themselves in qualifying, so they'd be better prepared for tournaments like this. So they switched to Asian qualification, and they now compete against the likes of Japan, South Korea. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, all the teams that uh, are going to be in this World Cup. Uh, And Australia had a very hard time with things in qualification. They uh, had to go through two different qualifying rounds, uh, knockout qualifying rounds, one against Syria in a home and away series and one against Honduras. They managed to get through those. They're back here at the World Cup. But with a decisively less talented, less exciting team than uh, what we've been kind of accustomed to in the past when they've had the likes of Mark Viduca from Middlesbrough and Harry Kuehl from Leeds and... Prime Tim Cahill. Prime Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill will still be on this team. Mark Schwarzer. Yeah, sure. I mean, Used to be a good team, yeah. They still have some recognizable names. Uh, the Mark Schwarzer stand-in now is uh, Brighton's Matthew Ryan, who's probably... He's not bad. Probably Matthew one Ryan, of the yeah. better players in, for his position on this team. Uh, Otherwise, names that you might recognize are Aaron Moy, the center midfielder from uh, Huddersfield. He's the only one that I really know. Uh, Mila Yedinak, who's played for Aston Villa in the past, uh, and I think Crystal Palace in the past. Uh, Well, sorry, he's currently at Aston Villa. Uh, Tom Rogic from Celtic is probably one of the best players in the Scottish League, and the the number 10 for Celtic that really makes Brandon Rogers' system go there.
1: I think he's... That's going to be One the midfield. Players, that's going yeah.
0: to be the midfield three that they trot out with: Jednek, Moy, and Rogic. And it's a good midfield three. But when you look at what they're going to be uh, up against, up against in this yeah. group, as we mentioned, France, Denmark, and Peru. Uh, man for man, it's not it's not a midfield three that's going to be able to maintain their style that they've been accustomed to uh, during international competition. And that's being the attacking side that really has a lot of the ball dictates where the play goes and dictates the possession. That's not going to be the case in this group. They're going to be playing against a lot of teams in Denmark and Peru specifically that are going to sit deep on them and look to win the ball in favorable areas and counterattack. So I'm interested to see whether Australia are going to be able to break down teams like Peru and Denmark specifically and not be absolutely just pasted on the counter by those, those kind of teams. Because if they're not able to make that adjustment... I could see them losing some of these games 2-3-0, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be probably the whipping boys of the group, but I don't know if they'll get a point. Interesting tidbit. They might get they, a point. They but... were in a group uh, three years ago with Spain, Chile, and Holland. Lost every single one of their games, but it was a style that really suited them where all of those teams were playing wide open attacking football, and it was end-to-end in every single game. They lost to Chile 3-1. They lost to Holland 3-2. Uh, in the Chile game, I think—no, uh, it was the Holland game. Tim Cahill scored one of the goals of the tournament with, like, a volley coming over his right shoulder, and he put it top right uh, first time on his left foot. Those kind of games, I don't really—obviously, uh, like. Obviously they didn't get a point at that World Cup, but it was entertaining. They made a good uh, showing, showing for themselves, and they went home with their heads held high, despite not winning a single game. Yeah, I mean, they
1: were on the, the group of death last yeah, World Cup. Yeah, exactly. You can't
0: fault them, but this is a much easier group for them, but— comparatively but i'm saying the styles like the, the stylistically it could prove to be more difficult where they may not score a goal in these 3 games right. that's very that could happen and it could be absolutely disastrous to australian soccer if it does happen they're they're more about the experience they're going to be living uh, living it up for the 3 games having a good time playing good football that's what they want to do if they get out of the group great but it's not likely uh, we'll move on down to by far the group favorites and a lot of people's favorite to win the World Cup, I want to say. Uh, you you've not, not not very smart people, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who uh, play FIFA. Yeah, and... a lot of a lot of FIFA right, a lot of FIFA players and Americans yeah. think that the France could win the World Cup. Uh, well, right. okay, it's 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 not ridiculous, you know. It's
1: not like no, it's not it's not it's not completely out of this. It's world like... you
0: wouldn't be shocked. It's if not it happened, the same but... level as like Harry Kane saying that England can win the World Cup. You know, it's not that ridiculous, but you know, it's it's part of the way there. That was just a, that was a quick slightly less. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to get my English dig in uh before we get to that group a week or two from now this is france's 15th world cup appearance they are of course the former world champions in 1998 they were the former finalists in 2006 they have become one of the world powers in uh in football and have produced some of the greatest talents of the last generation or so uh notable players where do i start this is another this is another one where you're just like where do you really start from here i I'm not going to mention... I feel like the entire team is notable. Sure, the entire team is notable, so I'm actually going to talk and they about... And two full teams that you could name and be like, wow, these full players are all amazing. Well, I want to talk about, instead of notable players, because they obviously do have so many different world-class players and combinations of those players they can play, I want to talk about one specifically that you're going to hear a lot about in the next month or so, and Paul Pogba. As I mentioned with Australia, France are going to be coming up against teams like Denmark and Peru that are going to play a very low block against them and are going to be looking to defend compactly and look to counterattack on them. And it's going to be basically Paul Pogba's entire responsibility to be the man for France that plays that incisive pass that splits the defence and creates chances consistently for them. Obviously, France have the wide players and the likes of Mbappe, who will be played out there, Ousmane Dembele from Barcelona, Thomas Lamar from Monaco. Uh, They have plenty of wide players that can help space things out a little bit more. But Pogba's not someone who's just overly consistent at doing that. That's something that I think is actually kind of a weakness for him, where he, in flashes, has the capability of playing those passes. But United as a team, Manchester United, Paul Pogba's club, if you're not aware, uh, that's something that I believe that they struggle with on a consistent basis. And... It's something that I think they could continue to struggle with against the likes of Denmark and Peru. Do you trust yeah. Pogba to come up with, to be able to do this? Is it more? Is it more of the I talent just think around him? Having a
1: Conte and Matuidi behind you, it's going to well, free up for
0: him. Well, yeah, he'll be freed up, but he still has that responsibility once he's. given I don't think the he freedom. has that much responsibility. He has no, Antoine no, Griezmann, Kylian the, Mbappe. And, I'm saying the responsibility of
1: playing those passes. Again, I don't think he has. I mean, he has a responsibility to, to, to be creative and to... But honestly, I think Paul Pogba for the French national team, that's where we see the best of him. And I think that this will probably be a very, a very good tournament for him. And I think when you have attacking talent like you know Mbappe, Griezmann, and Dembele in front of you, uh, we don't know if Giroud is going to be
0: starting. I, I I'm thinking he might be coming off the bench. I, I think for certain games he will he be starting. He might start. Yeah, I think you guys, Peru, you're going to see a couple interesting snubs. Gonna, Anthony Martial
1: and uh, Lacazette you know, sub for Kingsley Coman oh, made the oh, team over Martial. Uh, uh, Coman didn't make it. I thought he did. No, he didn't. Wow, that's another that's another
0: big one. Uh, Florian Talvin from Marseille. He did made make it. it. Okay, Nabil wow. Fekir from yeah. uh, Lyon made it. He's a player that I've got. My eye on. I mean, we all. Most of us obviously know who Naval Fekir is. He's a very, very talented player, captain of Lyon, can play as an attacking midfielder as a might wide be going player. to Liverpool this summer. Yeah, very, very interesting player. But you haven't really seen much of him in a French, uh, in a France shirt before. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if he's really going to get the opportunity to play that sort of second striker role that he's so excellent at for Lyon, uh, with obviously all the other attacking talent you mentioned. But an area that I'm really interested in for France is. The fullback spots. In general, France, when I looked at the, the squad, the final squad for this World Cup, I saw a lot of centre-backs on there. And when I looked at the fullbacks, for a team that's traditionally played a lot of 4-2-3-1, 4-3-3, different variations of that, I thought they looked a little bit thin at wing-back. They, they've brought Benjamin Mendy and Lucas Hernandez as their left-backs or left-wing-backs. Benjamin Mendy's been injured most of the season for Manchester City, and they'll see if he can play his way into shape in these next couple of weeks in the friendlies they're going to play. And Lucas Hernandez has done very well filling in for Felipe Luis at uh, Atletico Madrid. And then at right back, it's only really Gibril Sidibe from Monaco, who is an excellent player, a player I really like personally. Aurier wasn't picked? Aurier was also he's from Ivory Coast. Oh, right. So. Sorry. I was trying to think of other players yeah, in trying, that spot what, what that are could their, play. What I are mean, the right backs? Presnel Kempembe from... Uh, I don't think so. From PSG he's a centre back, but I'm thinking do they plan to play him out there? There's uh Pavard, a, another young French centre back they brought from Stuttgart, uh but I've never really seen him utilized out at right back. And it made me think, is this is uh Didier Deschamps thinking of uh messing around with a little three at the back formation and seeing if he can get as many of his attacking players and his attacking wide players onto the field as possible. It would be a ballsy attempt. move to to do that without having played any games like that in qualifying well, or in friendlies. It's something I'm going to tell the listeners and you and I to look out for in these next couple games. They actually play Republic of Ireland on Monday, on Memorial Day, which is going to be a game that... I'm interested in as an Ireland fan, having not seen the team for a while, but I'm interested as a, a fan looking forward to France at the World Cup to see what kind of formations and systems they try out. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, if you're Didier Deschamps, what's your general like attacking, let's just say you're attacking front five, or like talk about the system you would want to use. There's a lot of options. It's not easy. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to start Griezmann, obviously, and you have to start... I think it's fair to say Griezmann, Pogba, Kante are all automatically in. Maybe Mbappe is like a shoe-in. Like, those those four players are absolutely playing. And I'm not talking about just the... I'm, to, I'm going back into midfield here. Right. just saying, if you're playing Pogba, you're playing Kante next to him. They're like the two best midfielders in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think... I don't think you can really go wrong with France, whichever whichever one one of the attackers you start. I mean, I think. Well, they struggled. They struggled in qualifying. I think maybe starting Giroud is 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 stretching it, but I think if you have any combination of, you know, Griezmann, Dembélé, Mbappe, Lamar, and um, Fakir, you're going to have a a very potent offense, and I. I'm excited to see these players live. I really want to see Mbappe live. I hope I hope he starts. That'll be
0: that'll be Peru's second game, right? Yeah. France will start with uh Australia in the first game. They'll play Peru second and then Denmark to finish out the group. You mentioned that there's no like wrong way to really line up France. I don't think that's completely true, depending on uh what team they're gonna be facing. Uh maybe for Australia, I think at the end of that game, like talent will just win out. But I think they're gonna have to get settled into a way of playing that uh, in in the group that will see them through to success. Because I think for France, their their goal is to win the World Cup. If they go home any earlier than the quarterfinal, or any earlier than the semifinal maybe even, it's going to be a disappointing World Cup for France. So I think you need to find a way to get Griezmann, Ousmane Dembele, and Mbappe rotating and playing in a front three, that I think has I think some form of chemistry. One together. of Dembélé or Mbappé will be on the bench. I don't think. Mbappe's I think it's going to be Dembélé. Yeah. I think
1: it's going to be Dembélé purely because he's been having all these injury problems. Yeah. Uh, he's hurt
0: currently. Right. He's a slight doubt for the World Cup. He might not play in that first game. So, so who walks into that front three then? Because you're not you're not pushing Griezmann out wide. Probably Lamar, right? Probably Lamar. Yeah. I'm 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 very surprised that you
1: know neither Komen or Martial is. Called up to this team because it
0: seems like they're, it's they're from, the, a little it's from the club bit... form of Talvin and uh, yeah, Fakir. Surely one of you know those two. Martial are hasn't played Talvin, the entire but... half, second half of the season. Basically, yeah, it's true. It's. It, I think it's they're going to miss him.
1: I'm happy. I'm happy that Mar- Martial is not going to play against us. You know. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I'm. You know. Uh,
0: I, us being Peru for
1: all of you yeah. listeners who. And I'm part. gonna be there, <laughs> yeah. so you know us. I'm gonna be there. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I, I honestly think that in the end, it, it, like I said, it, it's not necessarily gonna matter that much. It's gonna be more about the midfield, and like you said, can that midfield be as strong and boss, boss, boss the middle of the park like it should, and can that back line, which has been leaky before, well, they've they, conceded we, they, they some haven't goals. been able to
0: consistently play. Any single, like, back four combination. Obviously, Lourdes is nailed on in Koscielny's goal. Koscielny is not, not, right. not going to be I there. Think that's, I think that's great for them because they've played Koscielny in the past. And I'm not going to say he's the entire reason for, like, why their d- defense has been leaky. But you have Samuel Mtiti and Rafael Varane from Barcelona and Real Madrid, respectively, who make up the other half of Spain's back two that we are praising, uh, Ramos and Piquet? Right. Their two partners are in this France team, but we'll be partnering each other. As you mentioned, the fullback spots are a little bit shaky, but we could see those just go out the window. We could just see maybe add a, a third play, add Kempembe in there, and they play a back three, throw on three wingers, and have Giroud and Griezmann playing up top together. If there's ever a game or a situation where they are like drawing one-one or nil-nil with either Peru or Denmark, they've got some options here. I obviously have them coming out of this group first. Uh, I'm guessing you do too. Yeah, I have them winning the group, but there is a scenario where it all goes pear-shaped for them. France are a team kind of like, uh, kind of like England and kind of like uh, Holland that are very they're a very volatile uh, nation. I have them at winning World the group, Cups. but I don't
1: think they're going to win every game. I think they're going to either draw. Denmark or Peru yeah. and you know d- depending on who can get a point from France be it Denmark or be it Peru I think that could be a deciding factor for who's gonna make it out of this group
0: all right moving on to Denmark they're competing in their fifth World Cup their manager is Age Haride. a few notable players I'll just mention most of the strengths of their team I'll admit are in the center of the park they have a very strong spine to their team with Kasper Schmeichel in goal the likes of Jan Vestergaard uh, Andreas Christensen from Chelsea and Simon Kier from Sevilla as three centre-backs that they can play. They've got a pretty stable midfield in William Kvist and Thomas Delaney from Werder Bremen. Christian Eriksen needs no introduction. He will be pulling the strings in the middle of the pitch for them. And at up top, they've got plenty of striking options in the likes of Nikolai Jorgensen, Yusuf Poulsen, Nicholas Bentner, Lord Bentner himself, and Kasper Dolberg. You can maybe even mention Andreas Cornelius if they decide to bring him. They haven't finalized their squad yet, but where I worry for Denmark is going to be in providing the width necessary in games against Peru. You, okay, people have mentioned we're going to get to Peru in a second, but people have mentioned oh Denmark might dominate Peru because they have the height advantage to play balls into the box and and uh, and win aerial duels with Peru. But to do that, you've got to have talented wide players that will be able to play good balls into those areas. And the only really solid player that has the capability of playing those kinds of balls is Christian Eriksen. And if you bring him out to the wing too often, you're just going to completely neutralize your best goal-scoring threat. So they have an interesting debacle to think of when uh, asking themselves where they're going to utilize Eriksen the most to get the most out of him for their team.
1: Yeah, I've been going back and forth on uh, Reddit some, with some Danish fans and asking, you know, who are your, you know, who are your best players, where are your weaknesses? And it seemed a lot of the Danish fans first of all, a striker they don't they don't really have a set. They don't have one striker who starts every game. They don't know who their best striker is and it's, it's situational. They, they, they've had they've had problems with finding goals. You know, if Ericsson doesn't find the back of the net, they rarely have Someone who does. I've heard. That, and Delaney. I've heard that uh, Delaney's the other
0: goal threat. That he had four goals in ten uh, European qualifying games. Uh, right. He played all ten of those games, which for a box to box midfielder is a pretty good return rate. Goal scoring rate. I'm I'm genuinely you know curious
1: to see how how a team like this does against Peru how, if they can contend with our with our style with our counter attacking style. If I think they're going to be surprised how good. Peru are at possession, but this, like you said, this Danish midfield, it's hardworking. They have industrious players. And um, I think uh,
0: Sisto, he's i think he's a winger. He can, he can provide them with some width. He's, he's somewhat of an X factor in that to me, and a lot of my experience is watching them in world cup qualifying their general group games, but then they also knocked out Ireland in the playoff to get into uh, the world cup. So during those two games, Sisto was someone from the two games that he looked threatening. Uh, for you, those of you not aware of him, he is a forward slash winger, mostly a left-sided winger from Celta Vigo. He stands out in this Denmark team, mostly for the fact that he is a very dark African man who is obviously a naturalized Denmark uh, or Danish citizen. And he reminds me of a poor man, Sadio Omane. Very, very good and tricky and quick on the ball. But he doesn't really quite have the off-ball intelligence of a Saidey to make those off-ball runs that could really take his game to the next level. And his finishing is absolute dog shit. <laughs> to be very, very honest with you, he may have a he may have a game or two in this tournament where he plays absolutely out of his skin, and you're thinking Pione Sisto, he's like the next big thing. We right. need to sign him because he's only 23 or 24. But I don't think you need to really fear him as long as you uh, as long as you sort of. Respect him a little bit You should be able to keep him at bay The
1: only one I really fear in this team Is obviously
0: Erickson um, right. I'm I think that back fear- line is quite slow I think we it is, get at them what's going to be What's going to be interesting about that specific matchup Is those two teams are going to want to play off the ball And counter each other That's where Denmark have been their most lethal, especially in that second game against Ireland, where they beat us five one in Dublin. Yeah, but you guys are trash. I mean, that's, we are that's trash. Not, yes, admittedly, no. but as soon as we started stepping forward to have to try and actually get a goal to counteract their their away goal they scored, Andreas Christian. Right, they opened you up. Yeah, they were just able to just hit us two or three times in the counter, and the game was over. They they have that capability, and that's probably where they're at the most deadly. Sorry, right. we'll
1: send our Peruvian thugs to uh, make sure that Ericsson doesn't do what he did to Ireland. But
0: they're they're yeah exactly. Get uh, <laughs> we're gonna beat we're gonna beat them up. Real good, Alex. We'll, yeah. sh- we'll show you guys Avengers. how it's done. Yeah, we will. This is the Avengers part four coming this, <laughs> uh, coming this summer. Uh, we're going to move on quickly to Peru because we're going to talk about this in the microcosm of which team is most likely to get second place behind France. Because it's fair to say that it's between Peru and uh, Denmark to get the second qualifying spot and get into the next round uh, and to win the right to lose to Argentina.
1: <laughs> Basically. <laughs> uh,
0: so... Uh, Peru is Peru's fifth World Cup appearance, but their first since 1982. It's been a long time. And uh, as I found out when spending two or three games watching Peru's qualifying run at your house, uh, Peruvians were jubilant to be back at the World Cup for the first time in what, 34, 36, years. 36 years. Math. I'm happy you guys are back. You're gen- genuinely a really fun team to watch. Remind me a lot of Atletico Madrid in just sort of how you guys set up defensively, but not parking the bus, so to speak. You initiate your defense very high up the field, and it's fun to watch for someone like me. Peru's manager is an Argentine, uh, recurring theme here on the in the World Cup, Argentine's managing teams. Uh, Ricardo Garreca, notable players. I-, I can let you take it from here, Javier. Jump in whenever. You are the Peruvian. Yeah, well... I think that our style, like I
1: said, is very counterattacking. And in a counterattacking style, you really got to watch for the wide players. You know, you need to have really fast uh, wide players. Our two uh, wingbacks that at least I hope start are going to be Luis Edvincula and uh, Miguel Trauco. And both of those players are very, very quick, good on the ball. And you'll see them bombing down the wing. I think that's where our width mostly comes from. And... Our backline is is quite solid. We uh, they play together in Peru. Uh, the two center backs. What uh, club in Peru? Uh, they play for the, the La. They play uh, Universitario in Peru, and they're they've had they have a lot of experience together. It's why they and they, they've been playing the same back line all through qualifying, and they've you know they've visibly improved because we were you know pretty pretty awful the first half of qualifying, and in the second half of qualifying, there's been you know we've had a lot more clean sheets, uh, there's been a lot more good performances. Our goalie uh, Pedro Gallece, he's was monstrous for
0: us in qualifying you saw in that uh, argentina game that was was, in buenos aires no one respects a good nil nil a hard-fought nil nil against a better team than i do (laughs) and that was absolutely amazing right argentina didn't play well by any means but that was entirely down to i thought how well peru set up we almost stole it in the end Yeah,
1: in the last (laughs) minute we had a free kick kick and it was going top corner
0: Romero made a crazy save everyone in the room freaked out everyone was just like oh my god if we had won in Buenos Aires after spending 90 minutes thinking oh my god I hope we get out of here with a draw Yeah,
1: yeah we almost got out with a win but uh, our 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 midfielders are very uh, hardworking, industrious. Like I said, uh, mentioned uh, briefly in the Some Denmark,
0: really underrated players. Yeah. in your midfield,
1: the um, ones to watch. My favorite player. I'll, I'll be having
0: his jersey in the World Cup. Christian Cueva plays I, for Sao Paulo. Is he? He's been in the last couple of months. He's been talked about as like an underrated player to watch in the World Cup so much to the point that I think he now maybe I'm not gonna say he's, I'm not. Gonna say he's overrated, but people are expecting him to be to be pretty good. This yeah. World Cup. the players that I'm looking at and ones that I were pretty impressed with uh, in qualifying for you guys, when I did see you, were uh, most namely Renato Tapia from final. He's, he's 22 he's years really old, really good, very good defensive midfielder. You know he's not he's not scoring. He's not you're not going to no, see any highlight plays from him. Yeah, he's but, you know, just if you watch bustling, him Watch him for 90 minutes against so-called better opposition, specifically that France game where he's going head-to-head with the likes of N'Golo Kante and uh, maybe Blaise Matuidi. And right. You'll Ball see him Park. against uh, world-class. He's going to hold his own. He will hold his own. And, I, well, I expect the real test is going to be against the likes of like N'Golo Kante. If you if he holds his own against N'Golo Kante, don't be surprised if you see someone come in to sign him. He plays, like I said, at Nord right now and won the league there uh, last season, uh, the season before this one. He's an interesting player to watch out for. And then the other one I wanted to uh, highlight was Edison Flores from Alborg. He'll be playing against Denmark. Alborg are in Denmark. There will be plenty of uh, Danish players and Danish fans who are familiar with him after watching him in their own domestic league. He was a pretty interesting and pacey player. uh, to Yeah, I'm not sure if Flores is gonna start um, it's between but at least off the bench.
1: Yeah, it's between him, uh, Carrillo, and you know they're both. There are two wingers. We usually only play with Andre
0: Carillo from Watford. Yes,
1: yeah, Andre Carillo. We usually play uh, one of those two starts. Um, not necessarily. We don't really play with both. Um, I think uh, our because Guerrero is is not going to be going to this World Cup. Yeah. Um, I think that Rui Diaz. And Farfana are going to be the two strikers. I think you'll see one of those two start with either Carrillo or with or Cuervo Flores. Where does Cueva fit into
0: that? Cueva's going to start every game. He's But, but where is Cueva going to be fitting to that equation? Cueva kind of plays behind the striker. Um, he's more of like a 10 but you guys play as like a you guys usually play like a four four two, but maybe like shifting into no, a four two three one. Not really a four four two. We've
1: always played with a, with one striker, especially with Guerrero. And Farfan is going to be
0: that striker, isn't he? Right, we're going to play with the same style mostly. Another but... player that sorry to interrupt. Just people who aren't familiar with the Peruvian national team, some of you might be familiar with Jefferson Farfan. He's probably one of the more recognizable names from played this on Schalke
1: for seven or eight
0: years. Right, like a, a couple of years ago, maybe. Five or six years ago, you probably would have recognized him as Schulk's pacey right or left winger that was great to use in FIFA. And you were like, oh my God, who's this Farfan guy? He will now be stepping into that striker role, which he's become more familiar with uh, during his time at Lokomotiv Moscow this season. I believe he scored somewhere between 13 and 15 goals in in the Russian league playing as a striker. They won the league which yeah exactly they won the league he he's been doing an excellent job in that role and it's great that he's gotten more familiar with it despite playing those uh, I think he played the two games against New Zealand in the playoff to get in he was playing as the striker he's going to need all the experience in that role he can get because like you mentioned Peru will be without their captain without their talisman striker and Paulo Guerrero give me your thoughts real quick i know they're they're fighting against the the ban for testing positive for drinking a, coca tea which is the which is the root substance of cocaine you know it's also a popular drink in peru people dr- people drink coca tea it doesn't get you like high or messed up or anything like that it's just like a a yeah, cultural just, thing it's just, it's he drank a... out of a teapot that previously coca tea had been made in and he tested positive a few weeks later yeah it was
1: like a minuscule amount was in his bloodstream not enough that anything could right. be um, no it wasn't it was it was the next day Right, the next day. Oh, they okay. tested him after the game, after he played that game, because he had a game the next day. So, I mean, it was proven that he didn't do any type of drug and that there was no performance enhancing. So, to me, it's really odd that outside of the six months that he was given, because um, they initially had gave him 12-month sentence, and then they, uh, FIFA reduced
0: the sentence. 12-month ban from all ban, football. from all just, football. Not right. just international, club too. And he plays where right. at, uh, in Brazil? Flamengo. Flamengo. They just Brazil. won Copa Libertadores,
1: And that was... For him, you know, really rough being out six months, you know, during the key part of the season. And, he, Thirty-four years. Everybody, old. everybody thought that he was coming back. Um, you know, this like like Alex said, this guy's our talisman. This guy's our captain. This guy, he, I think he scored nine goals in qualifying. He scored the he, goal to get you into the uh, playoff right. round with New Zealand. He's he's done so many impossible things to get us to this point, and it's such a shame. It's such a sad thing that it's basically a technicality, and 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 it, it was it was a complete accident. He he had a punishment. You know, I'm not saying that this guy deserved no punishment. He tried to say he didn't deserve any punishment. He wanted to clear up his name and say, you know, look, I didn't do anything wrong. I was under, uh," you know, he was with the team in the team hotel under, you know, the regiment of, you know, under their supervision. Yeah, under their supervision. And you know he 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 didn't know that this cup that he was drinking from was, you, it, was you know, it was the pot it was it a was... contaminated pot which is you know that's 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 such a ridiculously hard thing to watch out for and you know I I it's a shame that they then then Tass and Wada came and overruled FIFA and, and gave him a fourteen month ban you know which would be eight more months essentially ending his career because you know th- this guy. You know, if he's going to be out of the game for, you know, because the teams, you know, if you're if you're banned for a substance, they they don't have to pay you, you know, so he's going to lose billions of dollars. He's not going to get to fulfill his dream of, you know, his entire life. He's 34. He, Peru have never been to the World Cup. He's yeah. The first World Cup that they go to in his entire life. And he's a huge respons- reason why they're at this World Cup. A huge part. Right. He dragged us to this World Cup and he's not going to be a part of it. It's... It's such a sad thing. I think it's such a shame. There's been protests in Peru. You know, every lawyer, every legal avenue it's been opened. They're gonna fight till the last day till the World Cup starts. But, you know, I ultimately don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna make it and it's gonna be a big hurt for us. You know, I think that with him, Peru had the possibility of possibly winning the group. You know, they yeah. could have maybe I don't gotten think that's, a draw. That's not an overstatement. They could have maybe gotten a draw against France. And, 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 and it, once we'd gotten out of the group, even if we finished second, we, we would have had a chance against Argentina. But I think now, even if we finish second in this group, uh, which I think is going to be a lot harder of an ask without Guerrero, I think once we come up against Argentina, it's going to be too much. But Give me your predictions,
0: assuming that Guerrero will not play. Yeah, that is
1: I'm going uh, to say France win this. Uh, and I think that it's all down to that first game. Peru need to beat Denmark in the first game. If Peru beat Denmark in the first game, we're okay. We're, gonna, we're going through, basically. You don't think you can go
0: draw, draw, win against Australia in the last game and go through? That's another, that's another path, but... You need to not lose. You need to not lose that first game. That's key. If we lose the
1: first game, we're, the, our World Cup's pretty much over. We're going to have to go win-win, which is very unlikely. And I think that what our most likely you know like i said we can't lose that first game but if we get a win in that first game we're we're definitely going to get out of that group so give me your you think france won france won peru 2 and i think it's going to be really 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 close with denmark and uh, you know uh w- watch out you know I'll, I'll be i'll be out there you know I might or might not have a sign, but I'll definitely have a Peru jersey on. and
0: I, I mean, be I'm freaking telling you, out. we need the Arson Wenger si- or the Wenger out sign with a check next to Wenger out, and then okay. you need Cronky out right underneath that with an empty Oof. box.
1: I don't know if I can Cronky
0: out. He oh, just come hired oh, come on, Emery.
1: Oh, come on. You got to be happy it. with him right now. Oh, you
0: know? oh okay. Well, um, the, okay. The, the wall's been, been pulled back over my eyes. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad you, we have it on tape. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to say France won. Denmark two, Peru three, uh Australia four. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm rooting for you. Don't get like don't be wrong. I mean with Paolo Guerrero, I was actually gonna pick you guys to win the group, to be honest. Uh, but that's not doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Yeah. Assuming he's not gonna be back. I think Denmark uh get out, get yeah. out of this group. It's very possible. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I know this one ran a little bit longer than usual, but that's for uh <laughs> If it was an Ireland uh, in the World Cup yeah, podcast, like it, would, an hour and it would run just as long. Yeah. It would be me and Connor <laughs> spewing bullshit about how Robbie Brady is going to lead us to the World Cup title. So uh, thanks for, again for listening. And until next time, love you.